All right, good morning, everybody. We're going to try something a little different this morning with the the sound. Does it sound better now than it did last week? A little bit? Yeah. Um, James called it my Garth Brooks mic. We'll see how this works. Um, we're going to be over in uh, Jude chapter 1 this morning. Jude chapter 1 uh, is a very short uh, uh, book of the Bible, and it's known as the... Um, the forgotten letter because it's so short and it's tucked away in between you know third john and revelation and a lot of people skip it because they feel like it's not that important um that important of a of, of a book but it's actually extremely important for us as a christian because it kind of teaches us here how to fight for our faith and that's what we're doing right now i believe the the longer we live here on earth uh, the more that we're going to have to fight for what we believe in and the things that we're passionate in and i believe uh, and i think each one of us can say the same thing that uh, we ought to be and we most of us are very passionate about our faith we're passionate about what we believe in 
And if you think back, and, and I, I remember preaching something about passion not too long ago, maybe a year or so back. But you think about the people who are passionate about s- something. You know, you have uh, parents, they're passionate about their children. They're passionate about um, uh, the well-being of their children, and, and they're going to fight for that. And you have, you know, politicians are, are passionate about uh, bills that they want passed, and so they're going to fight for what they feel uh, very strongly about. And, and even in, in the fire department, EMS, you know, we very are very passionate about our jobs and very passionate about our calling, and we're going to fight um, you know, to save that life or to, you know, save that house or whatever it might be. So we fight for what we feel uh, we are very passionate about. Faith should be something that we fight for uh, tooth and nail. We are, should be very passionate about our faith, and we should be willing to defend our faith wh- however we can. And so Jude is going to uh, tell us a little bit about that uh, this morning as we go into it. Um, we fight for what we're passionate about. And I want you to think about some passions that you might have in your life that you will fight for. And I, I think everybody that's here, everybody that's watching, either has children or around children, you got parents. You know, we fight for what we really strongly uh, support and believe in. And uh, think about that for just a moment. What are you passionate about? And I hope this morning that on the top of your list, your faith, your, your, what you believe in in Jesus Christ you would fight for to the very end, to the bitter end. So uh, this morning, the first four verses that we're going to read here in just a second bring up a, a great question that, that I hope you can answer in your own heart because I can't answer it. And the question is, are you fighting for your faith? We fight about everything else. Are you fighting for your faith? Are you taking a stand for what you believe in? Are you passionate, I guess to say, are you passionate about your faith? Are you passionate about your faith as a, as a parent? Just like we talked about earlier, as a parent, as a firefighter, as a, as a politician, whatever you might be, are you that passionate? So if you, uh, well, before we get into that, I want to read you a verse real fast. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. I love that verse. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Our faith is, is the core belief of, of Christianity. What, that's because we don't have that object to look at. If you look at the other religions in the world, they have an object that they're worshiping. There's an object there that they can see. There's an idol. There's something there that they have put their faith in, but they can physically see that object. We can't see, physically see, what we believe. We take it by faith and know that Jesus is who Jesus says he is. We take it by faith that he was born of that Virgin Mary because none of us were there to experience that. But through faith and through the Holy Spirit for what we can feel inside of us because if you've been saved, you know that there's something there because you can feel the Holy Spirit down inside of you. You can feel that draw and you can feel that movement inside your heart so you know that the Holy Spirit is there. So through faith, we believe in Jesus Christ. Through faith, we know that he can heal. Through faith, we know that he can still save. So we have that faith. We've got to be passionate. Again, Paul says, for we walk by faith not by sight. Everything that we do in this world is by, or when it comes to, to following Jesus, it is through faith that we have in him. It's a, it is the teaching that holds this church together, holds his church together. That's what we teach. That's what we preach. That's what we sing about all the time is that faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And that's what, that's that, uh, I'll say the glue that holds us together. It's that faith, that common faith that each one of us has. Because we all have that same faith in Jesus. As Christians, we've all put the same faith in Jesus. 
to become saved, to be saved and have that salvation. So we have that faith, and we need to fight for that faith. Now, Jude's going to explain to us why and how we fight for faith. There's two things, how we fight and why we fight. If you've got your Bibles open to Jude chapter 1, which is the only chapter, uh, Jude chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, it says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, this morning as, uh, as we come to you, Lord, outdoors, Lord, as we come to you with our hearts open, Lord, and our, and our hearts uh, overflowing with joy this morning just for the fact that we can come to you and, and we can continue to worship. Lord, we just want to ask for your blessings on today's service. God, I pray that you would be with, with Chestnutdale, Lord, as we worship. Lord, I pray that you would be with our uh, sister churches up and down these roads, Lord, as they worship. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit could be filled uh, no matter uh, where they're at today. There be ones at home listening or watching. God, I pray that your presence would be felt. Uh, Lord, I pray that this morning that each one of us have 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 armored have that that whole armor of God upon us right now, God, where we can uh, go into this battle as the song played a while ago. This battle cry, as we cry out, this battle cry as we go to war against the devil, Lord, and and all of his demons and all the things that are in this world right now that are fighting against us. Lord, I pray that we're prepared. Our hearts are prepared, Lord. Our minds are prepared, and we are f- fully clothed. And your righteousness, Lord, and I pray that we can go into this battle ready to fight for our faith, fight for what we believe in, fight for you, Lord. We know that we're on the winning side, and we know that you're by our side. And, Lord, I pray that uh, each person can feel that in their heart this morning. Be with us as we worship you, Lord, and, and we just want to thank you again for this beautiful Sunday that you've given us uh, to worship you outdoors. Hallelujah, in your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, again, we're going to look at four things this morning uh, that Jude tells us uh, about fighting for our faith, because... Um, we have to. I think the more uh, that we are out in in the world right now, uh, the more that the devil is going to throw against us. And I, I feel like even right now in this day and time that we're living in, uh, people have tried to take this virus and say that this is the devil trying to shut down uh, you know, the hearts of man and trying to shut down the church, and he's trying to drive that wedge in there to keep us from worshiping. He's trying to keep us from fellowshipping. Well, you know what? We found ways to, to do it. We found ways to continue to get the gospel out. We found ways to continue to fellowship. It might not be uh, physically, but we're able to, to, to do things to, to get the word out and to continue to see each other and talk to each other. So the devil continues to fail. I feel like, and this is just my opinion, and it don't count for much anymore, but I think that because of this virus going on, I believe um, that the church will grow stronger when we get to come back here, and hopefully soon we'll be able to come back in here. I believe we're going to worship differently than we ever have before. I believe that we're going to have a sense of the Holy Spirit that we've never felt before because of that lack of fellowship that we've had with one another physically. We feel like, um, when we, or I feel like when we come back here, things are going to be totally different for the church, not just this church, but his church in a good way. 
And uh, Katie, bar the doors whenever we get back out in the world after we get out of this first church service. Things are going to be a lot different. Things are going to be great. And I believe we're going to see more people saved because of this. That's my, my opinion. Uh, first thing we're going to look at this morning, we fight for our faith because it was entrusted in us. Look at verse 3 again. It says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto you. We as a church and as Christians personally have been entrusted. We've been entrusted with the stewardship of this faith. He has given us this faith, and he, we need to, to trust and he, I hope that he trusts us to take this faith and to go out into the world and go out into these, these places of work, that go out into our schools and, and go out into uh, the, the shopping centers and all these places that we're getting ready to go back to, and, and that he trusts us enough to take our faith out and fight for it and tell the world about what we believe in. First Thessalonians 2, 4 says, But as we are allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which t- uh, trieth our hearts. Jesus, in his final earthly words here, he gave us the Great Commission. And if you think about the Great Commission, the very first word in the Great Commission is what? Go. Go. First two letters in God spell go. He says, go. He's in trust. He, he says, I need you to go out. I need you to trust me. I need you to put your faith in me, and I need you to go out. Go, and it keeps going. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Go. We've got to have that much faith in our life knowing that when, wherever we go, whenever we go, that we can get the gospel out. And when we go, that the world is going to see how, faith, how much faith we have in us. When we go, they're going to see how faithful we are to the word. We're going to see, they're going to see how faithful we are to Jesus. But they're also going to see just how faithful he is to us. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. We serve a God that is faithful. We know that he is just. We know that he is long-suffering. We know that he, he, he just absolutely loves us. And so when we go and we tell the world about Jesus Christ, and they see how much faith we have in him, and they're also going to see just how much faith and how much love he has towards us. And any of us that have ever experienced anything bad in our lives, what, you know, health reasons, whatever it may be, People tend to see how strong your faith is, especially when you don't give up. And those people, they come visit you at the hospital or come to your home and they see you and they'll say, how in the world are you doing and how can you put up with this? How can you endure so much in your life and all you can say is Jesus? Jesus is the reason because I have faith in my Savior to get me through whatever's going on in my life. I have that kind of faith to get me through this situation. It's that kind of faith. Warren Wearsby says, this is one of my, my common commentaries that I use, uh, he says, the church is always one generation short. I know I've read this before, but I'll read it again. The church is always one generation short of extinction. If our generation fails to guard the truth and entrust it to our children, then that will be the end. When you think of the saints and the, the martyrs who suffered and died so that we might have God's truth that makes you want to take your place in God's army and be faithful unto death. 
you catch that little part there? He said, we're one generation away. We're one generation away. We've got to continue to train up our children the way that they should go. We've got to continue uh, to teach our children the word of God and what is right and what is wrong. We've got to continue uh, to raise up these children because they are the generation that's going to be uh, at the head of this church at some point because we're not all going to be able to, to live, you know, two, three hundred years or not even a hundred years probably. So we have a generation of children, and we've got to find generation of children here at Chestnutdale that we've got to continue to undergird, and we've got to raise up, and we've got to continue to train them in the ways that they should go by the word, not by the world, because they are going to be uh, the head of this church. It's not the head, but, you know, they're going to be, uh, they are going to be the church at some point. And so we've got to train them up. That generation cannot fail us, and we cannot fail that generation. We've got to step up. We fight for faith because God entrusted this to us. And if we don't fight, here's the question. Who is? If we don't take a stand, if we don't take a stand for what we believe in, if we don't take a stand for what is right, if we don't take a stand for what is biblical, then who is going to take that stand? There's nobody left. If we as the Christian do do not take that stand like we're supposed to, there's nobody left. We're already the minority. And what's, what's below a minority? Nothing. We're it. So we've got to take that stand for what we believe in and let the world know where we stand and what we stand on and that they need to understand that it is right because it is God's word. And number two, we fight for the faith because the enemy is all around us. Amen to that. The enemy is everywhere we look, everywhere we turn, you will find the enemy. At some point, somebody's probably going to crank a chainsaw or a weed eater here shortly when they start hearing this. That's going to be the enemy. That's going to be the devil trying to get in this worship service so that we can't enjoy this time that we have together. Everywhere we go, there is an enemy, and that enemy, of course, is the devil. Look at verse 4 again. It says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Now, too many Christians see this life that we're living right now as a playground and not a battleground when it's just the opposite. This life that we're in right now is nothing more than a battleground. This, it's hard to enjoy the Christian life sometimes because of, there's so much uh, fighting that we have going on right now between uh, the devil and us. We've got so much going on in our hearts right now that it's hard uh, to enjoy this Christian life. And I know that the best part about this Christian life ain't here on earth. It's when we get to heaven. But sometimes it makes it hard. The devil sure does uh, suck all the joy out of this life sometimes just by throwing in all these wrenches that he has in his toolbox, and it makes it so much harder uh, for us to enjoy this. The, the Christian thinks that as long as I'm a Christian, then I'll never have to face the enemy. Well, if you're a Christian, then you know pretty quick that it wasn't long after you walked out of the church doors or wherever you got saved that the devil was all over you. He was absolutely eating you up because that's what he does. It makes, he makes it a lot harder on the Christian, a lot harder on the Christian. And I, I cannot tell you how many times I've knelt down at an altar with somebody that got saved, and I've had to explain to them, it ain't all sunshine and roses when you leave this place. Yes, you've got Jesus. Yes, you are secure. Yes, you're going to heaven. I understand that. But what you need to understand is the devil's going to make it a lot harder on you now because he lost you. That's the last thing he wants to do is lose somebody. But he lost you. Jesus gained you. Heaven gained you. And so all he can do is just make your life harder. He can't take away your salvation. He can make you doubt your salvation. And I think everybody here can, under, can say that that's probably happened a time or two. 
you've said something, done something, been somewhere you shouldn't have been, you've done something you shouldn't do, anything, you know, a Christian wouldn't do that. But we do slip and we do sin. We do backslide a little bit here and there. But you ain't going to lose your salvation. And the devil knows that. So he's just going to make it harder on you and harder on you and harder on you. In Ephesians, Paul says to put on that whole armor of God. And he says it for a reason. He didn't just say put on your helmet and go on about your business. He didn't say you might want to gird your loins just you know, just for a time being. He didn't say slip on your shoes, you're going to have to run fast away from the devil. No, he says put on the whole armor. From the tip of your head to your toenails, you've got to put on the whole armor of God because he knew that this life was a battleground. He knew what... Of all the people in the Bible that you read about, Paul's probably one of the ones that you would would want to trust when he says put on the whole thing because it's a battleground. Because think of what all he went through. Think of the persecution he went through. Think about all the beatings that he went through. Think of the jailings that he went through. Think about the times that he probably should have been killed. He needed that whole armor of God to protect him, to keep him, so that he could go on that next missionary journey, so that he could go to that next town, so he could go to that next city, so he could go to that next person that was in need of Jesus. He had to have that whole armor on. we got to have that whole armor on because of the enemy. The enemy is rooted, and he is ready. The enemy has dug his heels in, and he is absolutely ready to fight us, ready to just tooth and nail, just absolutely tear us up. That's what he wants to do. But if we are completely armored up from head to toe, then we can fight this thing. We're going to win this thing. We've already, I've read Revelation. We studied Revelation. I know who won the, the battle. I know who's, we know who's victorious. But we still got little wars going on right now between us and the devil. And I know, I know that we're going to win it and because we got Jesus on our side. Sorry, I'm trying to keep this from blowing away. Now, Peter reminds us that our enemy is a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. And, of course, we know that's the devil. We fight because the enemy is real. He's a real adversary who wants to destroy us. And, again, he is after the church right now. The devil is after this church. He's after that church and that church and that church and this church back here and other little church back here and there's more up on the hill. He's after the churches. He's a, he is that lion, that roaring lion, and he is prowling around right now, and he's trying his best to shut us down. That's what he wants. He wants for some rumor to get started inside the church. He wants for something bad to happen inside that church, to split that church, to, to shut the doors on that church. One of the saddest scenes I've seen is that I can't remember what church or where the church is here in Avery, but it's a little brick church on the side of the road. Doors closed. One of the saddest things I seen uh, back last fall was an email saying that a local church here had closed down for the for the fall for the winter. Uh, they didn't have but three in their church, and they couldn't afford to pay the preacher, and so they're just going to shut the doors for a while. I pray they reopen, but the devil got his foot in that church, not in a bad way, but people just stopped coming, and so they've shut the doors. That's what he wants. The army that doesn't fight a battle will we'll quickly lose that battle. If we was to go to war, if, if the U.S. was to go to war right now with some other country and we only send a handful of troops over, probably ain't going to win that battle. If you don't fight in that battle, uh, it, you're quickly going to lose that battle. 
We've got to show up. We've got to be together. We've got to be united. We've got to be in one accord. We have to keep preparing for the fights that are before us. When we get over the fight that we're in right now, another one is already brewing, and we're going to get into another fight with him. And that's all right, but we've got to keep preparing. We've got to keep getting in the Word, and we've got to keep studying the Word. Bible tells us over in 2 Timothy to be instant in season, out of season. Right now we're in season. Right now the Christian is in season. We are battling tooth and nail. And when we get out of season, we still got to be ready because something else is going to get thrown at us. Uh, one of the, there's a saying that the U.S. Army uses that I use all the time. I absolutely love this in the fire department because there's so much, much truth behind it. But they say, fight like you train, train like you fight. And I'm an absolute firm believer in that. Fight like you train, train like you fight. If you study the Word of God and you're digging deep into the Word of God and you're studying that thing out, you're training. So that time when you go into battle, that time when the devil comes to you and he's eating you up, and that time when you get down in the bed sick, when you can't move anymore, you can fight a little bit harder because you've been training for that for a long, long time. You've been studying and, and getting ready for that time period in your life so that you can kick the devil's little red tail and, and, and move on with life. That's what we do. We've got to train like we fight, fight like we train. So we know why we fight because we, the faith has it's been entrusted in us. We understand that, and we, we know we have a, a real and present enemy. I think we've all got that. Now we need to know how we fight. So it brings us to number three. We fight for the faith by identifying the enemy. I look at the second half of verse 4 again. It says, Ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. If we are going to fight in the battle, we need to know who our enemy is. That's just the way it is. We need to know what we're fighting. You don't send a military into a war zone and they don't know what they're supposed to be fighting for. They don't know who the enemy is. We've got to think about it. Who is our enemy? What is out there? Paul reminds us in Ephesians that our battle is not against uh, flesh and blood. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the, this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This verse outlines faith's real enemies. And we have some real enemies out there right now that are absolutely eating us up. One of them, he says here, is we're battling the enemy of, of godlessness. And boy, I tell you what, if we don't live in a world right now of godlessness, I don't know what is. When, when, when the Christian and when the church becomes, like I said earlier, the minority, that means we're living in a godless world right now. If you know what I mean. There's so many people that don't, believe in jesus that, that don't believe in in the one true loving god that we believe in and so we live in a godless world right now because we're called to be wholly set apart in which we are we're holy and we're set apart from the rest of the world and so here we are these little churches over here but we have a big old world over here that they don't believe in nothing they don't believe in a thing and what they do believe in ain't real it's made up so he's telling, he's warning us here that one of the battles that we're going to fight, one of the enemies that we're going to fight against right now as a Christian is godlessness. Another one that we're going to fight, another enemy, is, is the enemy of change because of those who try to change God's word to make it fit their life. We have to fight tooth and nail against this. These churches that are trying to compromise and, and put a spin on the word of God so that it brings more people in. 
these churches that do nothing but preach, uh, you know, love and, and, and joy and happiness all the time. They never talk about the bad things that are going on in this world. They don't talk about the sin. If you don't preach sin in the church, I don't know how you're going to get anybody saved. There can't be no conviction going on if you don't preach against sin. But we got we got that enemy there of change. We can't compromise. We can't compromise the word of God. We cannot compromise what Jesus himself has told us here in red. We can't compromise what God has, has pinned down through his prophets and everybody else in the word of God. We can't change that to make it fit our life. We have to change our life to fit the Bible. That's what he wants us to do. So we've got to fight. That's another enemy right there is change. The other one is denial. We fight the enemy of denial because of those who deny Christ is who Christ says he is. We've got to fight denial because there's so many people out there saying that there's more than one way to get to heaven. We've got to fight the, the denial of people out there that say Jesus is not the only way. Well, Jesus plainly tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. That's what the Word of God tells us. We have to fight that denial that, that is floating around in the world right now and tell them that there is only one way to get to heaven, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is only one way to get there. No other way. You ain't going to work your way there. You ain't going to buy your way there. It's already been paid for. It's through faith, and we've got to fight for that faith everywhere we turn. We have to identify the enemy to be able to fight the enemy. Now, number four, and the last one, is we fight for the faith by standing firm in Jesus. Standing firm in Jesus. Look at verse four one more time. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into last viciousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we fight and win this battle of for our faith well, there's only one answer and that's through jesus christ that's it that's the only way that we will ever be able to win this battle we can't do it as a church as a body by ourselves it takes the head it takes jesus at the head of the church to help us to to fight this battle and win this battle if it was up to the churches to do it themselves we'd lose every time but when we put God first and foremost, when we have put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ and we allow him to lead us into battle like he's supposed to, then and only then will we win these fights. So it's only through Jesus that we win, only through him. We serve a sovereign God, and I want to define sovereign for you. We use the word sovereign a lot, but I don't think a lot of people understand what it means. Sovereign means power without limit or absolute domination. Power without limit. That's my Jesus. There's no limit to what he can do for us. There's no limit to, to the power that he has. There's no limit to his healing hand. There's no limit to the love that he has for us. There's absolutely no limit to my Jesus. That's what sovereign means. All powerful. Power without limit. When we understand the power we have in Jesus, now listen to this, when we, all, when we understand that, when we stand with him, for what we believe in and his strength. And when we stand inside his might and his power, then and only then are we going to be standing on a firm foundation. That firm foundation is where we have to have our heels dug in. We've got to stand strong on that foundation and know that it ain't going to shake and it ain't going to move. 
because we're standing on that solid rock, then we can sing that little song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I'm not going to sing it for you because every dog up his holler will be barking. I shall not be moved. That's why we have to fight for our faith. That's why we have to stand for what we believe in. Because of the sacrifice that he made for us on that cross. For the death, that cruel death that he, that he endured on the cross for us. And we've put our faith in the resurrection from that tomb. Knowing that he is who he is. He said that I am that I am. And he is who he says he is. He is the Messiah. He is our Savior. And I have put my faith in that. I put my trust in that. And I'm going to fight for that to the very end. Because that's what I believe. I believe that with my whole heart. And I, like I said, when I got saved, I felt that. I felt that churning, that yearning. That I, I tell everybody I felt like I had a seizure whenever I was saved. Because that's what it felt like. It was just the, the power of the Holy Spirit on me. I knew by faith that everything was just right. If we don't stand and fight, if we don't stand and fight for what we believe in, who's going to do it for us? Let's pray. Father, this morning as, uh, as we close out this service, God, I, I just want to thank you uh, one more time for this opportunity to stand before this congregation, whether it be here in the parking lot or online, wherever it may be. God, we thank you for allowing us to do this. Lord, it so easily could have been completely shut down and unable to do this, but Lord, you seem fit to, to make a way where we thought there may not be a way. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the sunlight. Thank you for the weather you've given us. Lord, I pray next Sunday as, as things continue to change and evolve here that we're able to come back to your house of worship, Lord, and, and uh, Lord, just have a time of, of fellowship with you and with one another, God, in a, in a safe way. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless this great nation that we live in. Lord, as we've seen something that's historic. Each one of us that's alive right now has seen something that I hope and pray never happens again. But Lord, you've, you've been a huge part of this. In, in a way, Lord, it's been uh, amazing to each one of us, Lord, where you have, you have provided for those that have been in need, where you've touched, where there's been sickness, Lord, where you've comfort, where we needed that. Lord, and I, and I thank you enough. I can't thank you enough for that. So God, as we close out today, I pray that you bless those that have been able to, to listen and, Lord, that was able to come today. Lord, I pray that you continue to protect and guide. Father, I pray that as uh, we continue to do these services, Lord, that those that are listening, uh, that conviction of the Holy Spirit continues to work on their hearts if they're lost. Lord, if they're saved, I pray that that conviction continues to work on our heart, Lord, to do more for you. Lord, there's so much that we have to do, and there's so much that you have in store for us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you continue to use us. And guide us, Lord, exactly where you need us to be. And use us, Lord, where you need us to be used. Lord, I pray that each one of us here can say this. Here I am. Send me. Wherever it may be. Lord, I pray that that would be in our hearts. Here I am. Send me. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. I'll listen to your son's name. We pray. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all have a, a good day.
And that is why I sing All my joys with you I'll share I'm gonna take a trip In the old gospel ship And go sailing through the air Oh, I'm gonna take a trip In the good old gospel ship I'm going far beyond the sky Oh, I'm gonna shout and sing Until the heavens ring When I'm bidding world goodbye oh i can scarcely wait i know i'll not be late for i'll spend my time in prayer and when my ship comes in i'll leave this world of sin and go sailing through the air oh i'm gonna take a trip in the good old gospel ship i'm going far beyond the sky Shout and sing until the heavens ring when I'm bidding this world goodbye. 
ashamed of me you have no cause to be for with christ i am an heir if too much fault you'll find you'll surely be left behind while i go sailing through the air oh i'm gonna take a trip in the good old gospel ship i'm going far beyond the sky oh i'm gonna shout and sing until the heavens ring when i'm bidding this world goodbye when i'm bidding this world Planted by the water, I shall not. 